Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, and that means it is time for the art of the CEO. The show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who want to do it a little better. I'm your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business. And today, before we get on with our show, I'd like to pause and remember the deeply spiritual and now deeply besieged people of Nepal. Many of you uh, have queried me about our Nepalese meditation bowl that you hear at the start of the show. That bowl was one that my wife and I received when we were visiting some monks in Kathmandu uh, years ago when we were climbing into Benton, Nepal. And that bowl's gentle, haunting chime is sounded so to center the soul and focus the mind on the truly important matters at hand. And today, the peaceful, wonderful people of Nepal are suffering the aftermath of a 7.8 Richter scale earthquake right in the edge of their capital city of Kathmandu with a death toll rising to well over 3,000 thus far. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to ask that you remember the people of Nepal in your prayers and wishes and that you consider donating some resources of your own to bring relief through the regular sources of giving. UNICEF.org already has established one such avenue, and I thank you for joining us and for considering that. You are listening today to the Art of the CEO radio show, and every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, the Art of the CEO streams magically through the very misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download all our episodes by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. That's blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. We invite you to explore and uh, listen for your benefit. Now, today's episode is entitled The Membership Economy, Revolution or Just Today's Jargon? Yes, we're going to square off in a really friendly debate. We're going to look uh, into a decidedly new trend, which is of, of a way that we're using our consumer dollars. Uh, because right in the face of our age-old buy it, own it, use it, and maintain it economic system is coming something new. Consumers are increasingly turning to a um, rent, subscribe, use it only when you need it, and then return it to the pool kind of economy. And we have seen this purchasing strategy shift uh, in everything from cars to videos. And here today, by her own great good favor, we have with us the Memberships Economy's true spokeswoman, Miss Robbie Kelman Baxter, author of the definitive book, The Membership Economy, Find Your Super Users, Master Forever Transaction, and Build Recurring Revenue. Her book is being, uh, quite rightfully, very well received, by the way. And frankly, though, Robbie and I and your host have some real issues to debate. Does the membership economy represent some true and major shift in the minds and hearts of people? Or is this just some latest trend from the crafty purveyors of stuff from corporate America? Let's find out and let you be the judge. But before we launch off on our journey into new economic vistas, let us take a couple of moments to supply you with a few utensils for today's Feast of Wisdom. 
First, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. Now, that's the most important position you will ever hold. So, will this be the day that you realize your own good fortune and taste and savor some of your blessings, and perhaps even direct some of your own today's efforts toward making others just as blessed? Or will you let the weight of various annoyances and dilemmas distract you from the joys coming to life all around? The choice is truly yours. Secondly, uh, as our second utensil, it is time to dip into a little laughter. So let's take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book, which I am having in my hand here. Okay, okay, this is number 74. Our company is very customer-centric. We badger every client until he either gives in or runs away. (laughs) Ever... Ever get a personal phone call from your supplier's CEO asking you your opinion of his company and his product and service? Felt pretty good, didn't it? Enough said. And as a third utensil, perhaps we will call today's uh, utensil the rental knife. Right now, we're going to give you the answer to last week's business quotation. Now, today, before I leave the air, we'll give you another quotation. And if you know the name of that uh, quotation, please send it to us. Just write it down and send email us that name, as you believe him or her to be, to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you are correct, you lucky soul, we will send you a marvelous gift freshly ripped out of the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And so the author of last week's quote, that is the individual, said, Talkers have always ruled. They will continue to rule. The smart thing to do is to join them. That was none other than the founder of the giant advertising agency, Patton Barton, Erskine, and Osborne. It was Mr. Bruce Barton said that. So now, enough of that. Let us dig into today's Feast of Wisdom and determine the real truth behind the membership economy with its real authority, Miss Robbie Kelman-Baxter. Robbie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Bart. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. This this is uh, going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm curious, uh, what I, I I you took a lot of thought to put this book together. What prompted you to write it? I I know you were working uh, as your uh, Peninsula Strategies work with high tech firms in Silicon Valley. Was was that it? What what prompted you to do this? Uh, it's a it's a good question, Bart. It actually took me about eleven years to get to the point of writing it, so it was a long wow. time coming. Um, it it started, uh, you know, I started consulting uh, fourteen years ago, independent, uh, building my own consulting firm, and uh, about two years into it, I did a project for Netflix, and I right. I fell in love with the business model, which is sort of a geeky thing to say, um, but I just <laughs> thought about it all the time and how well it worked for me oh. as a consumer. And, and also how well it was working for them as a as a business model, and it it kind of made me take a it sharp beat left their turn previous my... competitors. So yeah, go ahead. Pardon? Yeah. Yeah. So you and it beat their previous competitors, and so that's really and that's what sort of sparked it all, huh? It did. It did, Bart, and and it that became the focus of my consulting was working with companies that had models like Netflix. So people would call me and say. 
we want to have a model like Netflix for software, like Netflix for music, like Netflix for uh, news. You know, you kind of fill in the blank, and somebody wanted to be the Netflix of something. And, you know, over time, I started to notice all of these behaviors that were really different uh, in the way that the organizations were thinking about their customers, uh, you know, both wanting more subscription but also community. So that was really the the genesis of it. I felt like I needed to document that trend. I think well, I, that's that's interesting. I I think I see so much of where you're coming from now. Uh, I have studied the membership economy, and uh, it's it's an excellently put together book. But as we've discussed, I I find a lot of it I disagree with. So um, I think we're going to have a lot of fun today, but just to, to set us all off on the same playing field give us a definition what do you what do you mean by membership economy the, the membership economy uh, is a major transformational trend that is changing the way organizations are engaging with their customers and it has to do with a move t- from ownership to access but also from transactional to relational and from uh, communication that comes from the the organization and is pushed out to the customer, like you described in your quip, uh, to a model where the communication goes beyond to be two-way communication and even three-way communication with customers talking to one another as well as giving feedback to the organization. Uh, okay, now that that's where I uh, have one of my first issues. As I understand it, I think what you're saying is that there's this this revolutionary consumer shift from private ownership to what you call subscription use and so forth. And I'm wondering, do you see this as a tangent, uh, or is this something that you feel can be applied to uh, everything, our our three biggest purchases of home, auto, and education? So when I I started working on this part, I actually was was like you, and I thought it's, it's... not applicable to everything. And, and coming out of Silicon Valley, I was really focused on you know, digital subscriptions and online communities. Um, mm-hmm. But I've come to see that the same kinds of trends can be in, in the biggest models. And, and your examples I, I, you know, are actually things that I focused on in the book as being yes. great sources for, for the membership economy because obviously that's the, the most thought-out purchase by consumers. Um, so right. with with housing, we're seeing you know a move. And there's always been rentals. There's always been hotels. Oh, yeah. um, there's always been uh, timeshares, uh, and and right. even vacation rental by owners. Uh, but now we're seeing that you know what, what I think of is that the membership economy extends the infrastructure of trust. So now we're even seeing it with things like Airbnb, where consumers are actually able to share excess capacity on a day by day basis as opposed to a year by year basis. Uh, and without going through multiple intermediaries. Uh, same okay, with. Okay, I. Go on. Uh, sorry, um, I, I just thought of it. That... Go on. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> the same uh, thing is true with with cars, with um, with relay rides, uh, Zipcar, which are mm-hmm. which are two examples of of cars that can be accessed um, as opposed to to owned or even rented. Right. Right. Well. Now, I, I see what you're saying, but I, I wonder uh, who's owning what. Uh, you, you cite Net, Netflix and uh, some of the, the similar rentals. Uh, 
as symptomatic uh, in your book as some as a symptom of some basic human desire for membership, a uh, craving to belong and unite. Now, I agree that Homo sapiens are innately uh, herd species, and we all crave unity. But frankly, uh, I've got to be honest, I, I don't think goods purchased or rented are really the vehicle. I feel no more, I myself anyway, feel no more kinship with my fellow downloaders of Gone with the Wind than I do standing in a long line at Hertz rental automobile or, or paying a road toll. So, I mean, uh, am I different? Uh, do, you, do you feel tied to your fellow purchasers in a way that I'm missing here? Uh, no. So, so one of the things I really struggled with, and you're, you're very smart and very insightful, Bart. Um, one of the things I really struggled with in writing the book uh, was how to define if, a, if an organization is or is not part of the membership economy. Is it about you know, the members feeling kinship with one another? Is it about having a subscription model? And I think it's more of an right. attitude of having an ongoing, formal relationship with the customer. So that, in that area, okay. Netflix definitely has it. I see. All right. Um, well, I just sort of wonder, though, if, if uh, you have mistaken uh, what you call the, the, the membership and this communication for really target marketing, uh, I mean, for me, membership lies in the eye of the beholder. You you have uh, corporate marketing departments, on the other hand, that are dev- are, dev- are finding common points of interest. Uh, all our buyers like the outdoors. They like connecting with each other on Facebook or or whatever. Uh, and so the marketing heads, I, I I hear this being said. Ah, we have a cluster of kin here, you know, and. I, I'm, I believe that it behooves marketers to to look up these common traits, but lassoing me in as a member doesn't make me feel like a member. Right. So the other the other conclusion, I totally agree with you, Bart, and I, I again I okay. think you're spot on. Um, and I think that the issue is membership. If, if an organization wants to move to a membership model, what I advise them to do is to start with their culture and their attitude. And I say that, well, it can be useful to change your nomenclature to member as opposed to customer or subscriber if the company doesn't believe that they're building an ongoing formal relationship, and that's a relationship, then this mm-hmm. is going to, you know, the, the, the customer is going to see through it, and it's, it's not going to be real. We know when we feel like we're a member, and we know when we're, yeah, you know, right. being, um, sub, you know, when we're having to deal with, with marketing speak. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I think that's a that's a real problem, and uh, I mean, I I know that, um, for instance, my my dad changed from buying Buicks to buying Chevys in the 1960s, and my niece, now living in the Boston area, uses Zipcar, but in each case, their interest in their fellow buyers or renters is is Zip. <laughs> they right. they, and and I think you're you are saying. That that ad people should I, I'm sorry the companies should whip up the ad machine and convince buyers that these like traits or uh, is sort of magically building them into a membership. You aren't saying that, are you? Or, or are you? I don't know. I'm, I'm saying that, that the what a marketer should do is amplify what is true. Uh, okay. When a, when you know as as a lifelong marketer, I know when you're when you're kind of spinning baloney and 
when you're seeing something that really is true and is going to resonate with your with your prospects and with your customers. So okay. there are cases of car owners who are obsessive and fanatical and have gatherings with their other car owners. I've seen Corvette gatherings. Uh, Rolls Royce oh, yeah. has a magazine. Uh, you know, Harley Davidson, not a car, but um, you know, very very strong membership group. Um, so so it can exist, but you know, I don't think it exists among people who drive Toyota minivans. You know, it's just it, it's not every car. <laughs> You know, not every car deserves a membership model. <laughs> right, that's true. Yes, the one my wife's husband drives is really sort of tragic. But um, I, th- I think that okay. So you do have something. You you have the consideration, and I like the idea of your saying this, amplifying what is true. Uh, that's that's a good idea. And I because to me, I don't. I think this is true in most cases. I'm not sure how much you've considered the factor of time rather than preference of purchase. Um, I mean, obviously, quite frankly, it's it's silly for me uh, and everybody on my street to have a clothes washer that is employed for three hours a week and sits there idle the rest of the time. And it would be much more communal and thrifty if we shared. But laundromats are closing by the score, and that's because having that machine is in my house, say, gives me a vital asset. It's saves slices of my life, time. And Netflix and Zipcar and all these others are saving time. Isn't that really, to a very large extent, what we're talking about here? You know, it's it's a great point. It's about It's about the mission and the value to the customer as opposed to the product. So the problem with the laundromat, right. in uh. my opinion is that they're in love with their product, which is a building that has a bunch of washers and dryers that you can use with coins, um, as opposed to being in love with the service that they provide with customers, which is a more efficient and affordable way to get your clothes clean. So if they had focused on their mission, they would have come up with Mm. something like Purple Tie, where... So that same laundry mat or those same, you know, washers and dryers are able to be distributed across your whole street and then delivered to your home. Then you might be interested uh. because you're saying it doesn't serve my need, which is being the most efficient way for me to get my clothes clean. So Purple Tie is okay. a company that, that has realized that. But but and and you see this over and over again, Bart. This is like where I get really worked up because over and over again, I have people telling me, you know, membership is dying or people don't want to join. And almost always it's because the value, they're not, up the, the organization is no longer upholding the value proposition. They're too focused on the features and products that they're offering. And they're not really advancing uh, to stay in touch with the changing needs of the consumer or the changing availability of technology. Okay, I think you you have really put it. Uh, you know, personally, I always thought that uh, if the laundromats combined with bars, they would do just absolutely wonderful. <laughs> There's nothing like single malt and a nice pressed to white shirt. But anyway, that's, that's, that's my opinion for what it's worth. Oh, late. This has been this is very good. Uh, we're going to continue this, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Art of the CEO Radio Show, which is streaming live from BlogTalkRadio.com. 
And we have come at this point to the midpoint of today's feast, and so allow us to take a brief sorbet, if we all may. It's time for me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, the creator of Bart's books, Ultimate Business Guides, among many other things. And you may visit bartsbooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, and explore a wide wealth of practical wisdom from many business masters. And today, Prometheus Publishing invites you to come and visit their bookstore, take a look at one particular book, and uh, it's the book that launched uh, this whole show, as a matter of fact. It's The Art of the CEO book, uh, a resource which distills wisdom from many top corporate leaders and sets them out as applicable tools for you to use. This book has been labeled the best leadership book we have seen yet by Gunter Media. So, why not visit BartsBook.com and invest in a book? Now, ladies and gentlemen, and those merry souls in Menlo Park, California, who are enjoying its warm, gentle, zephyrous breezes, we are back to the Art of the CEO radio show on Blog Talk Radio, and our guide to the membership economy, Miss Robbie Kelman-Baxter. Now, Robbie, you were saying that it is a matter of customer service, and it is that attitude that must be taking as opposed to falling in love with a product. So what you're really saying is that the companies themselves have fallen into the ownership trap. They aren't prov- Everybody is providing a service, is what you're saying, and many of them say that there's a little Pygmalion going on here. I fall in love with what I produce, and I own that, and the, the customer can jolly well line up and like it, right? Absolutely. The Pygmalion problem is, is huge and timeless. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I can see that. I, uh, I know, well, you're proud of what you make. We all are. You know. Uh, now, one of the things is uh, you, you talk about the loyalty of members, and this is where I have a great deal of trouble because um, I there's there's members and there's members. Uh, I'm a member of the Nassau Presbyterian Church, but if they're having better potluck suppers down at the mosque uh, or the pews in the, are more comfortable in the Baptist Church, I'm not going to switch. I'm not. Uh, and, however, I may have made 39 tweets praising Southwest Airlines on their blog. And if American Airlines comes up with a cheaper fare, I'm often flying on the wings of American. And I think the reason why is not what's being delivered, but the truth is I am a client and I consider Southwest no more than a purveyor of services. And there it ends. So, I mean, I don't care if AT&T abandons its two-year contract or not. I mean, I do. But it's only in a competitive sense. It's it's just a purveyor, right? Right. So this is a great. I I love that you brought up the the, the issue around churches, and you know, well well well, it takes a lot, people have deeper loyalty in general to their religious institutions than they do to their airlines or their their uh, credit <laughs> cards. Um, I should I should Heaven certainly hope so. so. Um, I'll also say <laughs> that there's been dramatic departures from traditional religious organizations toward newer um, newer congregations. Uh, one example is Joel Osteen's church uh, in, in Lakewood, Texas. Oh, yes. Right? Uh, you're familiar with that. Um, 45,000 people go in person 
uh, every Sunday, three three services, 15,000 each in a stadium. Uh, then he live streams the services, and then he provides a huge array of services to his members online. So he has a mix of on and offline uh, offerings, if you will, for his congregants. And he's really extended the infrastructure of trust, uh, which is very appealing to people because what he recognizes is that the the product, if you will, of, of, of a religious organization has to do with connection, inspiration, um, learning, and um, kind of religious connection. And he's helping his members achieve that better than some of the traditional models, which also, I would say, are sometimes too in love with their with their models, you know, the, the specific way they've always done things. I I do believe you that there is a saying that if the congregation could vote on the hymns for each service, the whole world would only know three hymns. And I, yes, they are in love with tradition. But I look at uh, Joel's idea of connecting. He's he is, and I think many people are, techno-dazzled. Uh, Adolf Hitler got uh, millions of people to hear him because he built a, a stadium of eighty that could hold 80,000 people. He used the best technology at the time. Let's not hope that his message is something that we want to come anywhere near. And I, I guess what I'm saying is that there is a, a, an element of techno-dazzle here technology being our least reliable connective resource and are you um do you don't you think that really all this man has done is just broadcast a little wider because he's a little more able uh i think he broadcasts wider and he makes it easier for people to get access to what he's providing and so this ah, is separate from the message. So you, you brought up an example right. of a person who was a, a brilliant communicator, but a really, truly evil human being. Um, right. You know, he, part of the reason that he was so successful was because he mastered the use of technology. And, you know, mm -hmm. technology is neither good nor bad, but it does extend the reach of your message and mm -hmm. your ability to connect. And we have had a massive change in, in the kind of technology that's available that allows us to communicate with one another and the ways that we're allowed to com able to communicate with one another and what it costs. And right. organizations that leverage that are just going to have a better chance at extending the kinds of relationships that they can have. Okay. I, I, we won't get into the that each media has the has a definite quality level of its own message, but he is extending the message, and I like what you said about easing the access. Very good idea. Um, and on that line, Robbie, do you how do you see the role in social media in fighting the ownership trap in sort of building a kinship among subscribers and bringing uses? Do you see the social media as a way of of moving us into a, a more mobile, less stuff <laughs> uh, held community? Well, it's it's funny, Bart, because on the one hand, I would say yes, it's possible mm -hmm. to you know no longer have a big movie collection or a big book collection that takes up a lot of room in your right. home, um, and I love that. But at the same time, I see people buying bigger and bigger houses and filling them with more stuff. <laughs> so, the stuff. You know, I. I would love to say that I think the membership economy is resulting in an observable change in the amount of stuff people have, but 
that that has right. not been the case yet. Well, in the I mean, I see this also as much more of an evolution in a lot of ways. In the realm of manufacturing, we've been experiencing a, a, a real long-term change from uh, if you want if you want to make something, you build a plant, you make it, you put it out, to outsourcing total manufacturers. My friend Sherry Sapiro, who makes Spiro, who makes games of all sorts, got three Chinese manufacturers to cooperate, making various board games about which they have absolutely no knowledge whatsoever, but they know how to make them very well. And I'm just wondering, do you see this sort of move of manufacturing subscribership? Do you see that as part of the member subscriber economy? I mean, they are clients in a way. Do you see this, or is it just an interesting analogy? Um, it's a good question. I have to think about that one a little bit, Bart. That's a that's a that's a really interesting idea. I think in the supply chain, um, if, if you know, I had a, a talk last week where there was somebody in the audience who um, is, you know is an expert in supply chain, and he was saying that he sees he sees supply chain vendors as being able to take advantage of the membership economy by applying some of these principles. Um, by moving okay. to a more formal relationship, by building, you know, by building and earning loyalty, um, by moving beyond just the transactional nature, because e- even in these supply chain relationships, a lot of times there is no formal ongoing relationship. It's still yes, transactional. Absolutely. So th- there's, I would say that there's room, uh, but uh, I, I have, I don't have a great case to to share uh, around around uh, the supplier kind of. Uh, relationships. Well, I think you do have one thing, though, that you've talked about, and that is as we outsource, as we dispar- uh, spread ourselves out and take a little piece of this, in fact, we don't own things, there is a tendency for, as you put it so well, our relationships to become merely transactional. So could you give all of us who are dealing in business just a couple of ways uh, in, in the face of this less community connection, to bring a little more community connection into us in, in our business relationships. So you just a few outreach ideas that you could pass on to us. Ways to bring more community into your business relationships? Yes, I, I right. Think, yeah, so I think it starts with really, I mean, this is basic marketing 101, but it starts with knowing your customer. Um, and you talked about this idea of, of understanding segments and that marketers you know, do targeted marketing. That is absolutely where this starts. And then it's about building a conversation with them. Uh, it's being willing to hear their feedback and being willing to respond to them and potentially being willing to open up channels of communication among your customers so that they can discuss the things that they share. And this can be done at the very high tech level, so you know you can think about you know Coca Cola spending billions on their you know their social strategy and creating events and oh, so yeah. on. But but you can also see it if you have a bookstore, um, you know knowing who you're you know there's a bookstore here in, in Menlo Park, Kepler's independent bookstore. Uh, they've moved to a membership mm-hmm. model, and they have events almost mm-hmm. every night because uh, they've realized that what the purpose they really serve in their community for their customers is not so much as a source for buying books as it is a place to learn about new ideas and connect with other thoughtful people. 
And, and oh, so they, Robbie, that's excellent. So, so their whole models changed. They still sell books, and you can still order books, mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll, you know, if they're not in the store, they'll, right. they'll get them for you. But really, what they are now is, you know, they have events, they have community, they have, uh, they're starting uh, podcasts. It's really a source for, you know, they, they speak at all the local schools. It's a really cool transformation. They're still in the process of doing it, and it's not easy. But they're really trying to transition and say, okay, we are no longer a purveyor of books so much as we are a community center for ideas. Uh, I, Ladies and gentlemen, we have just heard a timeless truth from Robbie Baxter. That is the idea that we can connect with our customers if we really see our customers as individuals using our goods the way they see fit and then reaching out to connect with them as people, not buying units. And so I'd like you all to take your writing implements, take your quill pen, dip it in the inkwell, and jot that down, because that's something you need to hold on to. Robbie, this has been absolutely wonderful today. I've learned a lot, and you have nudged me a little, which is no mean trick, uh, (laughs) toward uh a a further uh, acceptance of the breadth of the uh, membership economy at, anyway and could you tell folks where they could get a copy of the book uh you can get a copy of the book at your independent bookstore at amazon.com at barnes and nobles uh pretty much anywhere uh, good books are sold and you will also be able to pick it up within a week at uh bart's books bookstore because we're putting oh. it there oh Let, that's so great thank so you for I, that Well, thank you for coming on. This has been excellent, Robbie, and I I hope you all have uh, learned as much as I have today. It's been a great deal of fun. So thank you, Robbie. Oh, thank you, Bart. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, good. Well, as we round out today's shows, allow me to leave you with today's business quotation. Who was it who said, I have a solution to the traffic problem in our country. We allow no car on the road until it's paid for. Now, as a hint, the social political wit who made this remark made it in 1928. So there you have it. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, simply write that down and uh, and send it to info at bartsbooks.com, B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, and you will win an absolutely astounding, life-changing gift from the Dungeons of Barts Book Bookstore. And finally, as a parting shot, In the words of my wife's husband, business media tells us that success is a matter of the most gumption. Customers tell us they buy from the guy who's got the best product. Which one are you going to listen to? Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for enjoying today's Art of the CEO show. And as always, it has been a privilege. Good day.